special dice app back to you. Here we go. So, um, good evening. So excited to be here with you. And we are a week away from fall retreat, which is just awesome. Um, I love these cooler temperatures. And the reason is because they make me start to look forward to being at Scioto Hills next weekend. The leaves are starting to change, the cooler temperatures. Um, if you are not registered yet, I would love for you to join us this weekend. It's going to be a, this next weekend. It's going to be a blast. Don't go this weekend. So um, it's going to be a ton. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to gather together around the, around the scriptures. We're going we're gonna to have a ton of fun at the camp. We're going to enjoy the beauty of Southeast Ohio. Um, we're going to laugh a lot. We're going to sing a lot. We're going to learn a lot. Uh, and God does something every year in our lives and in this community just by being there. So if you haven't registered yet, I hope you'll clear your schedule next weekend. Check out the details on the app. We would love for you to be there. And if, you, if you, you're like, I'm the, this is my first night here and I don't know anybody, this is an especially good opportunity for you. You'll come back with a family. It's an awesome, awesome weekend. So um, my name's Chad Helmer, and I, I'm, I'm part of the staff team here at Ohio University. Jeffrey introduced me as something I prefer to be introduced as uh, his friend and um, rather than his boss. I, I love getting to be a part of what God is doing here uh, on our campus and across Southeast Ohio. And it's a privilege for me. We're, we're continuing a series tonight. We're in the third week of a series called All In. And this is a series about being all in because God calls us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says that we are to go and make disciples of people everywhere. And what that means is that God wants us to be 100% committed, all in, to becoming both disciples ourselves, but then also going and being the kind of person who makes other followers of Jesus. And so... Uh, you know, making other followers of Jesus isn't easy. God invites us to give all of ourselves to it. And the reality is if you're like me, maybe you like to keep your options open. You kind of like to try something out. You like to kind of dip your toe in the water. Because being all in can be hard. But God wants something even more for us. He wants us to be all in in our relationship with him. And all in and committed to following the Great Commission, the last words that Jesus left us with in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So tonight we're going to look at a story, not in Matthew, but actually in the book of Acts. Now I've been walking through Acts with a group of guys this semester. Where are those guys at? That's right. So there we go. So we're walking through Acts and there is a story I've come back to again and again and again, really since last spring in Acts chapter 5. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 5. We'll have a couple of snippets of the passage up here on the screen. But it's a long story. It's a long story, and so we don't have time to read it all tonight. But what we're going to do is I'm going to walk through a summary of the story once. It's an awesome story. Then we're going to look at some of the principles that can be drawn from that story. Just two tonight. I wish we had time for more. And then we're going to look at how we apply those principles to our lives. So that's kind, of, that's kind of where we're headed. But the book of Acts comes right on the heels of the Gospels. If you're in your New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, Jesus is crucified, resurrected in those, uh, in those Gospels. And then you come to the book of Acts, where Jesus uh, is ascended to heaven. He sends his Holy Spirit, and he empowers his followers to go and make disciples. And so it's a really fitting passage and a really fitting book as we think about being all in. 
And where we're picking up in the story in Acts chapter 5, the early church, Jesus' earliest followers, they've been growing as a community. They've been growing in influence. They've been growing in favor in, in the Jerusalem community. Their reputation is good. People are looking to them and just in awe of what is happening in this community. <clears throat> but... Not everyone in Jerusalem is happy about what's going on. And that's where we pick up here in chapter 5, okay? So um, I'm not going to read it, but chapter 5, beginning of verse 17, that's where we're looking at. Let me summarize what goes on there, and then we're going to zero in on a couple spots. So beginning in verse 17, the high priest in Jerusalem and his kind of posse, his gang of, uh, of, of, of uh, kind of clerics, these guys, they arrest some of the early Christians and throw them in jail. And in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord comes and opens the cell doors, leads them out in the middle of the night, and he tells them, go to the temple in the morning and begin proclaiming what Jesus has done. And here's the thing, that's exactly what got thrown them in prison. But what do they do? They're obedient. There's an angel that just let them out of jail. So they do what they're told. They get up the next morning, they go back to the temple, and they do exactly what they were instructed to. Well, then... The high priest and his posse again, um, they send for the apostles from jail. They say, hey, bring those guys over. We want to talk to them. And they're kind of going to stand trial before this council. Well, um, they go. The jail's empty. They're not there. And someone comes and tells them, hey, those guys you arrested, they're back in the temple again today, telling the same, talking about the same things they were talking about yesterday. So the council says, hey, well, invite them to come. They sort of invite them gently. And the reality is they're really popular. And they're afraid that if the police arrest them, the police are going to get attacked. So, um, so they say, hey, convince them to come back. So they come back to the council. And the council and the high priest, they say, hey, we told you to stop talking about this Jesus character. You filled Jerusalem with your teaching. And now you're blaming us for this guy's death. But Peter and the apostles respond, uh, essentially saying, yeah. We heard you, but we must obey God rather than you guys. And then Peter drops the mic, and he walks away, and it's, it's really dramatic. No, there's no mic drop. But, um, but that, that's kind of the story in a nutshell, okay? But here's what we want to look at tonight. Here's what we want to look at. It's about really what we see in the passage is a bold obedience to be all in. There's a bold obedience to be all in. And the first principle I want you to catch in the passage is this. It's bold obedience to God trumps our feelings and experience. Now, if you've got your Bibles in front of you, I have the passage up here too. Look at uh, verses 17 and 18. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Now, here's the thing. Luke, who's kind of recording this for us, he doesn't tell us he doesn't stop and say, here's how the apostles felt about being thrown in prison. But it doesn't take some kind of advanced degree in psychology. Actually, where, where did I, uh, who was the psychology major earlier? Yeah, that's right. So um, it doesn't take someone that smart to realize being in, being in jail probably was not where they wanted to be. Just imagine some of the things they might have been feeling, okay? How would you have felt? Probably afraid, They've been thrown in jail for talking about Jesus, and now they're thinking, what is going to happen to us next? How bad could this get? They're, they could be feeling discouraged, right? Thinking, man, things are going so well. Now this has happened to us. What a setback. Or they might be just feeling really regretful, potentially, right? Like, maybe we should have gone about this a different way. Maybe we were a little too bold about talking about Jesus. 
because now we're in jail. Whatever they were thinking or feeling, Luke doesn't tell us, but we can be sure they weren't throwing a party in the jail, right? Thrilled that they were there. We can feel pretty confident about that. So Luke is quick to emphasize, though, and this is in verses 19 through 21, that God's hand of protection is over the apostles. So during the night, an angel of the Lord opened up the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. They did just what they were told. So God's hand of protection is over them because they were being obedient to proclaim Christ. They were doing exactly what they were called to do. Now, the question for us then, thinking about the apostles, the question for us then is, which voice is louder in your own life? Is it the voice of your experience and your feelings or the voice of God? And really the question is, to which of those do you find yourself inclining to be more obedient? To being more obedient. Do fear or discouragement or maybe potential regret, do those things call the shots for you and keep you from being all in with God? Or does God's command to proclaim Christ? Does that get to call the shots? Um, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about my friends Aaron and Katie. Dear, dear friends. Uh, we've been friends for over 10 years. Uh, maybe, maybe more like 15 if I think about it. But uh, for quite a while. And um, Aaron and Katie, they were students here. They were involved with crew as students. They were bobcats here. And uh, they fell in love. They wanted to get married. And they felt like God was calling them after they graduated to join staff with crew. By the way, this isn't a joint staff with crew talk, so just don't worry about that. But, um, but they, they felt like God was calling them to join staff with crew. They felt like they wanted to spend the best days of their week, uh, the best days of their month, the best hours of their week, telling people about Jesus and making disciples. So that's what they felt like God was calling them to do, and they felt confident about it. The problem, though, was that Katie's parents didn't like that plan. Her parents had been planning on paying off all of her student debt after she graduated, and once, she, once her parents realized that Katie and Aaron were serious about joining staff with crew, her parents decided to kind of turn up the heat, and if, I, I honestly think it's kind of manipulative, but, um, but here's what they did. They said, okay, if you do this, we're not going to pay off your school debt. It will be yours, and you'll just have to deal with it. And for some of you, you might be thinking, that's not a big deal, but Katie had just over $60,000 in debt. And so it was essentially like saying, yes, I'm on the line for this $60,000. So she had a decision to make. And I also want to be clear, too, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to, like, disobey your parents or do things like this. This is unique to this story. Um, but Katie felt confident that God had called her into the mission field. And so she had, to ask, she had to ask herself, am I going to do what God is calling me to do and face the $60,000 debt alone, or am I going to do what my parents want me to do? So you can think about how that might have felt, right? Uh, maybe this feels like a closed door. Sometimes we use that language, well, God's kind of closed the door on this. Or maybe she felt like, well, I don't really have peace about this. You know, it hasn't really come together like I thought it would. Um, and probably a lot of fear, right? How will I pay off this debt? How angry might my parents be? What, what might this do to our relationship? But Katie was so convinced she would be disobedient to God to not follow through. She calmly and maturely told her parents, that she didn't appreciate the threat and that she was prepared to live with the consequences. 
Well, just like an angel letting the apostles out of jail, um, God provided Katie and Aaron with some incredible jobs right out of college. They paid off the $60,000 debt in less than a year and then joined staff with crew. They, they served on our staff team here for three years, went and lived internationally at our previous partnership location, serving there for five years, and now they still serve as missionaries in the greater Cleveland area with crew. But here's the thing. God rewarded Katie and Aaron's bold obedience despite how things felt, okay? That's the incredible, that's the incredible thing about this. Is bold obedience to God trumps our feelings and our experience, when God calls us to go, we go. When he tells us to say something, we say it. So that's, that's the first principle. Here's the second one. Moving on a little quickly, more quickly. Um, two, bold obedience to God trumps the feelings and desires of others. And this is kind of the corollary to the first point. Uh, look, look at 27 through 32. Um, and when the captain and the officers, these are like the Jerusalem PD, okay? When the captain and the officers had brought the apostles, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, talking about Jesus. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. So let's take a minute and kind of imagine being the high priest for just a second, right? Imagine being this guy, super powerful. He's called the apostles here. He says, Look, um, one thing to note is that Luke has already told us that the, you know, the, the high priest is jealous of the apostles' influence. He's thrown them in prison. Now that he's, you know, the high priest is thoroughly confused because they're back out doing just what uh, they were told not to do. And now they're standing face-to-face. -face, he's standing face-to-face -face with the apostles. And he says, look, we gave you strict orders not to do this, and you disobeyed it. So you can imagine he's frustrated. He's angry. But Peter has this mic drop moment where he says, sorry, we have to obey God and not you. Bold obedience to God trumps the feelings and desires of other people. I'll tell you another story. This one's a little bit more personal. Um, back in the spring, I had, uh, it was kind of a long-anticipated, difficult conversation with a family member. And uh, we'd kind of been tiptoeing around it for a while and felt like we finally needed to have a conversation with one another and went out to dinner. And... Um, and it, it, was, it was just a deeply personal conversation. I don't want to share too much. But, um, but this family member of mine was desperate to know my opinion about something. Uh, she's, not a, she's not a Christian. She, in fact, she described herself of an athe as an atheist, but she really wanted my opinion. And she pushed me and pushed me. And I remember thinking, uh, I don't know why you want my opinion so bad. And, and kind of in a lot of ways refused to answer some of her questions because I, I was just convinced the thing that she needs is not my opinion. What she needed was to hear about Jesus and what she thinks about Jesus is the most important thing. And so I, I sort of avoided talking about the topic. I didn't want to answer her questions. Um, it resisted as long as I could, but she really wanted an answer. And I remember very clearly, so this is, this is almost verbatim what I told her. Um, I won't use her name, but I said, look, I'm a follower of Jesus. I have a Lord and a King. I don't just get to pick and choose my opinions based on what might be popular at the moment. In fact, what I think my opinions, they really don't matter that much. But what God has to say is much more important. And then I proceeded to briefly explain to her what the Bible had to, tell, had to say about her questions and what she was wondering about. But I just remember saying, I, I have a Lord and Master. I don't get to pick and choose. I... I, I uh, what God thinks about these things is way more important. 
And I'll tell you what we did is we sat there and we cried together. Because I knew that it wasn't what she wanted to hear. And I remember, and the thing I'll say about this too is bold obedience doesn't mean belligerent. It doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean abrasive, right? Um, it can be compassionate, bold obedience. But I just remember sitting there in tears with her thinking, it would be so easy to just tell you what you want to hear from me. I'd love to do that. But I have a Lord and a master, and I don't get to just pick and choose. It was difficult. Everything in me just wanted to sort of tell her what she wanted to hear. But I knew I couldn't do it because I have a Lord and a king who I have to obey rather than other people. You see, bold obedience to God trumps the feelings and desires of others. And you see it in the Apostle Paul's life. He's constantly tempted to distort the gospel. He's constantly tempted to water it down, to make it something different. But the gospel's incredible, and so we want people to know about Jesus. So let's talk for just a little bit. How do we apply this to our lives? What are some really practical things to think about here? Um, How do we appropriate bold obedience in our lives? And I I think the most important thing is a simple but very important truth, and it's the reminder that the one who died for you, who loves you enough to die for you, is now the exalted Lord and King that the one who loves you is now the exalted Lord and King. Because our motivation for bold obedience, just like it was for Peter and the apostles, the motivation for bold obedience is the gospel. That Jesus died for us because we're sinners in need of redemption. But he loves us enough, God loves us enough that he sent his son to die for us. And the one who loves us that much now rules and reigns over our lives. That should make it easier to say yes in bold obedience. I mean, you think about it for yourself. Your roommate didn't die for you. So why would her opinion matter the most, right? That friend of yours didn't shed his blood for you on the cross. Why would you be more concerned about his opinion than what God wants you to do, right? So no one one has given their life up for you. But the good news is that the one who did, who loves you and gave himself up for you, he's Lord and Master. And we're called to boldly obey him. Here's what I want us to look at. Um, I would actually invite you to take a picture. I just have some questions up here for you. And these aren't questions you can answer now. But they're questions that later in the week, maybe as you spend time with God, maybe as you spend time in the word and in prayer, some things for you to just think about or process with God. Do your feelings and experiences get in the way of obeying God's commands? Is your internal world louder than God's commands? One thing, I, and I encourage you, if you brought pen and paper tonight, write this down or write it down when you get home and put it somewhere where you'll see it. God's commands are more real than my feelings and experiences. We can say that, but to actually believe it, that God's commands are more real than my feelings and my experiences. Sometimes everything in us... We we want to be afraid. We want to be scared. We want to minimize. We want to run away. But God's commands are more real than those feelings. When your feelings and emotions are screaming, when fear, disappointment, or regret are so loud, what do you think you need to do to remember that God's commands are more real so that you'll boldly obey? And maybe a slightly different question I think I have up there. What, what, do you, what one step of obedience could you take this week to make Christ known? Can you silence your own fears and worries to make Jesus known to others? 
Do, you, do your feelings and desires or the feelings and desires of other people prevent you from being boldly obedient? I mean, a big question, you're going to hear about this in the coming weeks, is if God was calling you to go overseas to Slovakia with us on a summer mission or to go to Ocean City, New Jersey on a summer mission to make Christ known, would God's voice be more real than your feelings or your worries or all the uncertainties that might come with that? Being all in means that the one who loves us and died for us is the one who invites us to be all in with him. He commands us to go and make disciples. And even when our feelings and experiences are screaming at us to do otherwise, even when our internal voice is so loud, when we listen to God's word, we can hear the loving, gentle command of the Lord to be all in. And I think as a community, we want to be the kind of community that's all in. So let me take a moment and pray for us that we'd be that kind of community. Father, we are grateful that the one who died for us is also our Lord and Savior. That he's our master, our king. And Father, I pray that you would help us be attentive to his voice. That we would boldly obey when you command us to go. You'd boldly, we'd boldly obey when you command us to open our mouths. We'd boldly give what you call us to give. We'd boldly obey when you tell us to do certain things. We're so grateful for your love, the motivation that we have because of the cross, because of the forgiveness that you've extended to us, even though we don't deserve it. Father, would you help us to live in light of the cross this week? Help us to boldly obey you and do what you call us to do. We want to make your name known. Help us as a community to be all in, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the 180 Podcast.